and Lily. And you're listening to Just Goody Things. Hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Ghouly Things, and we are your beautiful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. So, Lily, before we get started with this episode, do you have any work stories to update us on? Okay. Um, apparently, a couple days ago, one of the only days I was ever off, there was like a fight in the parking lot. <gasps> Amazing. And nobody, but the thing is, nobody knows why. Like, it was like a guy had come in to use the ATM, and all of a sudden, they're just swinging at each other. And by the time the guys I work with, like, came out, like, it had dissipated, the guys were, like, in their cars already. So I don't know what happened there. Um, is it on Worldstar? God, I hope so. We need to find this. And then there's this, um, I, act- I actually have a heartwarming story. Instead oh, of just okay. an insane, oh wait, no, I told you, yeah, about that. What did we name her, Meredith, who came back? There's this other lady who comes in and just tries to like convert us all to her religion. Is like she, like, ha- like, like, what do you mean? Like, well, no, it's it's not like a religion she founded, but the religion she like follows. Oh, okay, I thought she was like a cult leader or something. I'm like, okay, we're oh no, I'd 100 percent be in for that though. <laughs> And then um, we had just a bunch of like little things today, you know, like a guy. So when you open an account um, with, at least with my bank online, like there's, you don't have a signature on file Mm -hmm. and it doesn't give you the opportunity to like put in your driver's license serial number. Right. So I had a guy come in and he was cashing a rather large check and I had never seen him before. So I do like, I look way back into his profile and it turns out that like he opened the store at a branch in Florida or opened the, you know, um, account at like a store or a branch in Florida. So I get my manager. I'm like, well, thing is like, he's clearly the guy in the license and this is a real license and it's a real check, but he doesn't have an ID on file. And for some reason it was made, the account was open in Florida. And they're like, okay, just ask him for a second form of ID. You would have thought I asked this man to give me all of his money and cherished belongings because he was like, well, you need that 20 years with this bank and blah, blah, And then he starts yelling to my manager all the way across the branch to the point where other customers start staring Mm. and it causes a distraction. And the best part about this whole thing is that I didn't even have to take this customer. I was helping out my coworker who was working in the front. So I was in the drive through but it was dead. And my coworker had a line of people in the front. And I was like, okay, like, I can help you. And, of course, the one I get is the one who's just bananas. And then there's the lady saying that um, we're all going to turn into robots someday. She came in. Um, but nothing from Keith, nothing from Meredith. I do believe in that angel because she came back a couple weeks ago. Again, like a super stressful day. I had just gotten like eight cars in a four lane drive through and I like narrowed it down. I got them down and I like exhaled and took a seat and like her car pulled up. That's the heartwarming story. And she was like, hello, how are you? And I was like, thank God you're here. Just when you need her the most. Honestly, like she knows like, she's well aware and um 
I'm trying to think, but no kooks. But yeah, but there was that guy today who I asked him for his debit card and he said, why do you need it? And I said, there's something wrong with like, you know, the serial number is off with your ID number on file. Sometimes, you know, the people opening the account will like forget to put the, a letter in or reverse two numbers. That, that's all it might be. Well, the, the, how come this problem happened now? I don't think that's really the problem. And my manager stood up for me. My manager's like, yeah, I was there. That's what happened. So just give her your debit card. And then he was like, okay, fine. So I do the transaction. He comes back. Oh, you're not going to give me a balance. I'm like, well, I can give you a balance. He goes, why are you coming and going? What do you have to hide? I said, sir, I'm set up in the drive-thru. And he just, he's so like this. I felt kind of bad because he so badly wanted something interesting to be happening to him. He needed some drama in his life. He's he like clear- providing it well enough. Yeah, this man clearly leads such a boring life that he's relying on a 24-year-old bank teller for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Weird flex, but okay. But my um, coworker came back after he was gone and she was like, I literally thought he was going to punch you in the face because like <laughs> he was getting mad. And I'm like, yeah, I did too. One good thing about COVID is we've got those face shields that he can't swing through, but Jesus Christ. I just, I love though the fact that your manager set up for you because I've heard some horror stories of horrible management that just will not go to bat for their coworkers when they need them the most. Exactly. She was literally standing right behind me. And I don't think that's the problem. You went back there. What do you have to hide? And my manager, she introduced, she was like, actually, I was there. That is the issue. And we're sorry no one has noticed this before, but she caught it today. So are you, you know, you can give her your debit card or you cannot cash the check. (laughs) She's a badass. Anyways, so yeah, so um, I got verbally attacked again, I guess is the bottom line, which I guess just comes with, comes with my job. The life customer service worker. And then uh, real quick, Rebecca, I want to hear about this cute, adorable girl you had on your Instagram story the other day. Oh my God. Wasn't she the freaking cutest? And you're like a superstar to her. You know that like when they grow up, they're going to be like, do you remember Rebecca, your boxing instructor? So yeah, let me give like a little beginning for those that don't follow me on Instagram. Up, follow me at Rebecca Ruber. Just, you know, subtle plug. (laughs) Um, so I normally train this girl's father every Sunday and he's a really cool guy and he's very family oriented and he has a second one on the way but he always talks about his daughter and how he teaches her some boxing things at home but you know she's really keen on coming in and so I was like yeah whenever you when you whenever you come in just come with her like it's like it's fine like doesn't matter so then last Sunday, unexpectedly, I saw this little head start walking in and I was like, oh, I'm assuming that you're his daughter. And she introduced herself and he comes in. He's like, yeah, you know, my wife's due in a couple weeks, as you know. And um, I just wanted to kind of like let my wife have her own space while she has free time. So I was like, oh, that's, that's a good that. that's a good husband right there. Yes, he's awesome. And like, he's always talking about, you know, know, life is so strong, you know, the whole childbirth thing. Like he acknowledges that it's not, it's yeah, he's awesome. Men take notes, please. Right. So, um, so I'm obviously training him and I'm showing her how to skip rope and like little things. And Mm -hmm. she just starts coming out of nowhere and starts punching things, but like punching things the right way. And I'm sitting there like, you taught her that? And he was like, well, you taught me and I taught her. 
Oh my God. <laughs> and mind you, this girl's five years old and she's a little spitfire. Like she is just full of energy, ready to go. She finds the Negro's gloves that we had and starts putting them on, goes to the speed bag, starts hitting the speed bag, which usually people don't even know how to even go about it. And I'm like- And she was able to do it? Yeah, she knew to get up on the little stand because she's too short to actually just stand there and hit it. Got up on the stand next to the speed bag, started hitting the speed bag. I was so here for it. Like, you're doing better than your father. Oh, my God. I love her. So then after a while, I just told her dad, I'm like, go hit the bag. I'm going to hold mitts for your daughter. So he's a photographer and videographer. So he's like, do you actually mind, like, if I take a couple of videos and pictures just to, you know, post on my social media and, and, you know, send to my wife and show my wife what you do here? And I was like, sure. So he ended up taking that video and... Those punches and combinations that were shown in that video, mm-hmm. she knew all of that already. I was just holding myths for her at this point. I was I just love her, her. On her form, but she was she was on it. She knew what she was doing. And I've trained five-year-olds before, and five-year-olds have like the attention span of a squirrel. They're like all over yeah. the place. And usually it's kind of like a lost cause. It's just, as long as they hit your glove, you're kind of happy. But this girl, she knew what she was doing. I was teaching her some defensive moves, some slipping, ducking the punch, countering the punch. And she had such a fun time. Oh, my God. At the end, I was like, oh, well, you know, next time you come in, you've got to spy your dad. And she was like, I don't want to hit my daddy. And I was like, oh, no, you don't have to hit him. I was just kidding. And she was just such a sweet soul. But she has like the soul of a fighter, just the way she was holding herself, carrying herself. You could tell like she she could mess somebody up if she need if she needed to. I love that. We need to protect her at all costs. All costs. And the dad's like, yeah, I'm training her now. So when she starts dating boys, she knows that she can hold her own. I was like, damn right. Damn right. Now we're actually getting back to the paranormal side of this podcast. (laughs) So, uh, Lily, do you want to talk about what today's topic is going to be? So today's topic is just kind of like spooky, kooky, ooky, like snowy happenings is the best way. Like winter, because it's been very snowy in Jersey. We got a whole three inches. A whole. My boss comes out. She's like, should we do a delayed start on... Monday, because we're going to get the snow Tuesday Tuesday morning or Monday night. She comes in the dress. She's like, should we do a late start tomorrow? And I'm like, like you did the last time I had a day off? No. They always <laughs> literally, all the late starts and like all that shit always happens when I'm already off. Holidays, always. I'm already off on that day. Anyways, the point is, um, yeah, we're talking about just kind of things that happened the way I took it because like I – it, there were, wasn't as much as I thought there would be. It's just like wintry, spooky snow stories. Yes. So this weekend, it's supposed to be snowy here on the East Coast. It's supposed to start on Sunday and go through Tuesday. So if you're listening to this while it's snowing, bundle up with a nice cozy blanket, sit by a fireplace or somewhere warm, and enjoy these spooky, kooky, stories. I love it. Some microwaved hot cocoa in front of a space heater. That's what I would do. That is, oh my gosh, that sounds like a dream right now. Honestly. Okay. So Rebecca, you're starting stories this week. Changing it up. Okay. My first story is titled Living in a House Built in 1901. 
My mom, stepdad, brother, and I all moved into this house that was built in 1901 when I was about seven. The house was a two-bedroom, one-bathroom, but my parents used the entry living room as their bedroom. I got the bedroom off of the kitchen, and my sister got the bedroom off of the second living room, which was in the middle of the house. Yes, the layout of the house is weird. Imagine a rectangle, essentially. <laughs> my brother got the basement, and this house had a such a bizarre, eerie energy, but at the same time, I couldn't figure out why until things started happening. The first experience we ever encountered was that the TV would always just randomly turn on to white noise, volume full blast. We grew accustomed to it and saw it as harmless. It happened so frequently that eventually later on, the babysitter didn't feel comfortable babysitting in our house. <laughs> she watched my sister at her house. My sister, you would always see her on the baby monitor at all hours talking and reaching out to something as well. Ugh. I don't like that. Yeah. Things started getting more strange, though. My stepdad worked for city services, and being in Chicago required him to have to work nights to plow snow. One night in December, we had gotten a lot of snow, so my stepdad got called into work. My mom had just had my sister a month before, so we were giving her a bath in the sink. We're having a good time until all of a sudden, my mom goes, shh, shh, shh. Do you hear that? We paused for a minute and didn't hear anything. We go back to talking and bathing my sister and all of a sudden she's like, that! The back door was opening and closing aggressively. She swore oh, she had locked that door. Freaked out at this point, my mom has taken me, my sister and I, and waited in their bedroom at the front of the house. She calls my stepdad freaking out, so he instantly rushes over from work. It was literally around the corner. When he gets to the house, he instantly goes back around. He explains that there's no footprints in the snow and proceeded to check the basement to see if somebody had broken in. Nothing turned up and he ended up being pushed. He ended up pushing on the door to see if maybe it could have been wind or that or something like that. But that option just wasn't feasible. At this point, my mom and I were scared out of our wits. She knows that something paranormal was going on. And so did I. Eventually came the fear of my room. Since my room was off the kitchen, how my TV was positioned, I could see the reflection of the kitchen. Ever since moving in, I could not sleep without a bright light on in my room, hence why I could see the reflection. When I would shut the TV off, I would frequently see shadows, silhouettes walking throughout the kitchen, and I was terrified. I would sleep with my head under the blankets. My mom kind of shrugged it off when I told her, which now looking back on it, I'm not sure if that was her just trying to be brave or not. Then one night, I ended up seeing my first actual apparition. I remember something that startled me awake, and when I woke up, there was a white, hazy mist in a circular-ish form. It was so defined. Scared, I woke up to go tell my parents, but I followed this thing from my room, through the kitchen, through the living room, watched it enter the restroom, almost as if whatever it was, was exploring. At this point, I'm in my parents' room crying and begging my mom to just let me sleep with her in their bed because there was a ghost. I asked her to please wake up and she just said, no. <laughs> like not dealing with this shit. <laughs> they had a pillow on the ground but I just scooted as close to their bed as possible and watched this apparition move through their room. This moment changed everything for me when it came to living in that house and believing in ghosts. I truly believe there were a few spirits in this house. My mom ended up doing a little research on the house and found an article stating that a man had committed suicide in our basement in 1913. I'm not sure if this man was the one particularly doing the haunting because one night I was sleeping over at my neighbor's house and my brother's out-of-state friend was visiting. 
The next morning, the friend asked my mom why I was standing in front of the fireplace last night. (laughs) My mom asked him to explain what he meant. And evidently, he had gotten up in the middle of the night, walked up the stairs from the basement, and when he entered the living room, he saw a little girl standing in front of the fireplace. He didn't think anything of it because she looked to be of my size. My mom explained to him how I was actually at the neighbor's house that night. He ended up actually cutting his trip short and had his mom pick him up a few days later. But with the neighbor's house thing, I never looked at my house from their windows because I was terrified what I would see in the windows. I was truly scared of my house. We actually ended up moving about a year later because my mom knew something was going on in that house after that. Some other harmless events happened, like things being moved around and stuff, but it was enough to drive us out. I haven't experienced anything like that in my adult life, knock on wood, but these events are always in my mind. I literally get chills writing my experiences to this very day. The end. I hate that. It's so weird because it's like, it doesn't seem like these spirits are violent, but it's just no. creepy enough that it's like, yeah. I can be there. Well, because it doesn't seem like a residual or it's like, I always see someone path, you know, walking down my hallway. Or I, you know, always see, you know, the, the stove, you know, I don't know, the light above the stove goes on, you know, regularly. Like it's like there's something residual happening, you know, or, you know, you know what I mean? It's not, it, it's aware that it's there because it's slamming this door. It's standing there staring like there's, there's shit going on that it knows, but it's not like actively malicious, if that makes sense do, do you yeah. know what I'm saying like it knows it's there it wants you to know it's there but it doesn't seem to want to hurt you yeah but it's just doing enough that it's like I'm not gonna stay here long enough to see if it ever wants to be malicious my next encounters with the paranormal would come between the ages of 17 and 19 I just assumed that something was following me at this point and just accepted it at 17 I had gone to live with my aunt I didn't have my own room The garage was my room. It's where my friends would hang out and play guitar with me, but ultimately I slept on the couch. When sleeping on the couch, I always felt like something was watching me. Even when other people were around, I always felt something coming from the hall. I would sleep in my cousin's room when she was at her dad's. I slept in there at least three nights a week. Every single time I woke up at 3.15, on the dot, every single time. I don't like that. Mm-mm. That's when you say, listen, aunt, what's your name? I love you, but I'm out. I slept in there at least three nights a week. Every single time I woke up at 3.15 on the dot. Uh, I brought this up to my aunt who said she had noticed me wake up at the exact same time and thought that she would feel things in that area too. I then went to stay with my brother. He actually lived with one of my childhood friends. See, my brother, okay. My brother married the sister of one of my best friends growing up. So it was my brother, his wife, my friend, and their mom. They had a spare room that belonged to their other brother who was currently in prison. Okay. I used to see weird shit in that room. I once saw an old lady sitting in a chair by the bed. Things would wake me up. I felt like I wasn't wanted in that room. I thought I was being crazy until one night I saw the lady again and slept on the couch instead. So 
I will just call him D. D was the oldest and was getting out of prison the next day. And I figured he wouldn't want to come home to some 18-year-old sleeping in his bed. So sleeping on the couch was the best idea anyways. He got out of jail and he chose to sleep on the couch. My brother told me that D said I could sleep in his room. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, right? I asked why, and then my brother told me, because D is scared of sleeping in his room, that his grandma died in the chair in there, and that he says he wakes up to her ghost sitting in the chair. I moved out soon after that. So my ex and I then sought out to get a place of our own. Um, but the only place that would accept us was some rundown apartment in MWC... Okay. I was barely 18 and she was 17, so we were just happy someone rented to us. The apartment has a weird layout. I later found out our, our apartments were actually converted trailers. Interesting. You know, my mom, when she was in college, lived in an old, they called them Quonset huts. It was basically like war, I think like war living quarters. So the living room and kitchen were attached and the bedroom had a long hallway that led to the bathroom. The hallway doubled as a closet. That's odd. There wasn't a door between the room and hallway. It was really weird. I worked nights. I'd get calls at 3 a.m. about how she was seeing things near the closet and felt she was being watched. I'd get these calls once a week and come home to her sleeping on the couch with the bedroom door shut. She was a light sleeper and would wake up to the sound of me coming home and opening the door. I always had weird feelings about that hallway, but never had seen anything. It was really bad, though, because I worked as an overnight grocery stalker. I would hear the occasional noise, but it would be later revealed that most of the employees thought the place was haunted. We didn't stalk every night, only three days a week. Our other two shifts were cleaning up and putting misplaced items back in their spot. After I gained seniority, I would work solo shifts. From 11 when the place closed until 9 a.m. when the store would open. Yo, could you imagine being alone in a grocery store that long? That is scary, even though it's like you don't think that supermarkets would be scary haunted or anything, but it's still a weird concept. One night, I was off from work. We had a few friends over for drinks. We were both playing the sober host for our friends. We didn't drink that night, and... After everyone left, I went to grab the cigs, and when I came home, she was passed out on the couch. When I left 10 minutes earlier, she was asleep in bed. I tried to wake her up. She was in a super deep sleep. She would wake up long enough to refuse sleeping in the bed. I gave up on trying to move her and just passed out in our bed. You always expect the worst hauntings at night. When they happen at 8 a.m., when it's daylight out, it's somehow more terrifying. He's right. I woke up at around 7.45. There was no light shining through our curtain, so I assumed it was still night. I woke up in a panic. Maybe I had a nightmare, but I couldn't remember having one. I felt a presence, one I had never felt before. I've had my fair share of ghost encounters at that point in my life, but this was different. I felt something evil all around me. It was like it was in the air. It was hot, like really hot. I was sweating, which made no sense. We were poor. 
All we had was a thin blanket and a broken heater in January. There was snow all over the roads. How was it so hot? I was too afraid to look towards the hall. Instead, I looked up at the wood paneling on the wall. It was moving. It was shifting. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Now, I've had dreams where I've woken up still in the dream. So my first thought was I must still be dreaming. Sadly, I wasn't. The walls were almost swirling. I could see them shift into faces. Now, when I say the walls were moving, I mean they were in the same place, but what was on them was changing. I laid my head down and thought, I'm just tired and I'll go back to sleep. As soon as I did, I felt it get even hotter. So I threw off the blanket and ran out of the room. That's weird. It's fucking freezing cold in January. These people have a broken space heater and a throw blanket, and all of a sudden it's burning hot. Sounds demonic to me. Yeah, this does not sound... This is no angel here. I figured that only part of the house was haunted. I was safe in the living room. I tried to wake up my ex, who was sleeping on the couch. Like I mentioned, she was a light sleeper. Her body was limp and lifeless. Maybe she was breathing, but I didn't. But it didn't look like it. Her body temperature was always so high, but she felt so cold. I turned around to look at the living room wall, which was the other side of the bedroom wall that was shifting, and holy shit, that wall was doing the same fucking thing. Oh my gosh. I was terrified. I knew I was awake. I wanted to leave, but the roads were awful, and I had no experience driving in the ice. Besides, I didn't have my own car. I wasn't going to take her car and leave her there with whatever the fuck was in there. I grabbed her body and shook it almost violently. Nothing. I pulled her up and shook her again and again. Her lifeless body just dropped back down to the couch. I grabbed her keys and sat in her car. We had no gas, so I didn't turn it on. I just locked the doors and sat there in the 10-degree weather. I turned it on long enough to see we had no gas, and it was 8 a.m., I was so terrified I didn't even notice it was daylight the whole time. I sat in the car until 8.30. I convinced myself I was fucking insane and I'm freezing my ass off because I'm scared of a ghost. I went back in and immediately felt the unbearable heat despite holding the door wide open and letting the 10 degree air in. Her body laid exactly where I left it and the wall was shifting at a slower pace. To those who ask why I didn't take a picture, it was January of 2007. We shared a Nokia pay-as-you-go phone from Singular. It could barely text, much less take a picture. I remember those days. Yes. I ran back outside. I sat there until just before nine. I walked back in. This time, the freezing air filled up the room, and the wall was fine. I looked over at her. The look on her face was different now. While this was all happening, she didn't look asleep. She looked awake with her eyes lightly closed as if she were just closing her eyes, like she was in there, but her body was limp. Now she looked asleep. I could see her breathing. I sat next to her. The feeling of the couch moving as I sat down woke her up. I was relieved. She saw me sitting down next to her and saw my face, which was a mixture of terror and relief, and asked me if I was okay. I wanted to tell her what just happened, but how could I? This girl has to stay here alone while I work. I can't tell her. I said that I was just checking on her. 
She said she couldn't remember her dream, but she felt someone shaking her and she couldn't wake up. It's weird because everything seemed to stop at 9 a.m., which was when I'd get off work, as if all this stuff would happen intentionally while I wasn't there. Nine and a half years later, I still haven't told her. Oh. I didn't realize at the time I only had worse encounters in my future. My second story is titled Footsteps in the Snow. This happened about 10 years ago during the winter. We don't smoke in the house, so when it's really cold, I'll stand at my sliding glass door smoking instead of going outside. Smart. About 2 a.m., I went to smoke before bed, and it was a full moon that night, and the backyard was lit up bright from the reflection of the moon on the fresh snow. I remember looking at my backyard and thinking how nice it looked. I love the way the snow looks when it's covered over everything and has not been touched. Same. Yeah, I was about to say. So satisfying. Um, I finished my cigarette and went to bed and had problems sleeping, so about 7 a.m., I got up and went for another smoke at my sliding door, just like the night before. I looked at my backyard and there was a trail of footprints that went from my front yard to the middle of my backyard to a spot where whoever was there had a perfect view of inside my house from my sliding glass door and my back window. I live in a small- Maybe get some curtains. That would be a good idea, right? Um, And just for reference, they live in a small one-story duplex that sits in a cul-de-sac. So whoever or whatever it was would have had a perfect view of the whole living room, which is where this person slept, the kitchen, the hallway that leads to the two bedrooms and the bathroom. I went outside to look at it, knowing it wasn't anyone in my house because I would have heard them walk past me to leave. Plus, I wasn't really ever asleep so much. I followed it to my backyard, to that spot, and noticed that there was only a set of footprints going to that spot in my yard, and it looked like they stood there, spun around a few times in the spot because there was footprints facing in every direction, but on top of each other as if they were standing still and spinning. Just a really, really weird way to be moving, but okay. I was- I'm picturing it and I'm picturing like, you know, in 90s music videos when they would just like speed things up for literally no reason. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm picturing. Like a, is it worth it? Let me work. It's- Little did this guy know he was actually on set of a famous 90s. <laughs> Problem solved. Case solved. Okay. Jessica Simpson comes out for no good reason. Just starts singing. I can see it. Snow. Love it. Yes. (laughs) I went back to follow where the footsteps came from and they started at the end of my driveway as if someone got dropped off and they walked up my driveway on the left side straight to that spot. But the thing is, there was no tracks from a car and it had snowed that night. So it would have left footprints in the, it would have left prints in the road, but Nothing was there, just the footprint that started in my driveway. The shoes appeared to be work boots, but way too big for anyone I knew. And also, how did that person or whatever it was get away since there was no other footprints leading back to the road or anywhere else? Oh, no. It's like they just disappeared. I also didn't hear anything outside, and I thought I should have heard at least the crunching of the snow because my backyard isn't that big, and it's an old house with drafty windows and thin walls, making it easy to hear stuff outside. Anyone else experience anything like this? Please let me know. That's fucked up. Yeah, the fact that there's not even footprints leading back to the road or somewhere else. It's just, it stops there, and then they go, whoop. Yeah, I was about to ask, so there's no, so like there's the spinning action, right? And there's no footprints after. Are there footprints leading up to it? 
Well, it says that they, that the footprints started from like the driveway as if someone like had pulled a car up and someone got out onto the driveway, walked on the left side of the house and went to the backyard, did their nineties music video spin. And then just like vamoose, but there was no car tracks leading to the front of the house. So it wouldn't have been someone dropping someone off there because those yeah. prints in the, in the uh, road would have been there, but there was nothing. No one had been outside. So my wife and I met when we were teens, which I love that, mm-hmm. and have been together for more than 20 years now. One night after we had just met, we were driving around looking for a place to park and make out as kids did. <laughs> It was a late night in winter, and it had just snowed. We were driving through a small section of woods near our hometown. I made a slight right turn to go up a hill, hit a patch of snow and ice, and slid onto the shoulder of the road. The car would not move. I spun the tires a few times and dug out a few times and dug out my mom's cell phone to call my dad. After an internal debate as to who would have been less pissed off. Now, quick tip from the Ghoulie Girls. I know you probably know to do this because you're you're smart. If your tires ever lose traction, just take out your car mats, kind of jimmy them a little bit underneath the tire and put it in reverse or put it in front and pull forward and that'll get you the traction you need. Did not know that. Yeah, my mom taught me that. The more you know. She's got all the snow hacks because she's from like literal just like Snowville. So anyways, um... My dad answered and I explained the situation. He said he'd be on the way. I tried everything I knew how to do. Turning tires, having my wife press the gas while I pushed. Nothing worked. I remember sitting in the car with the windows down in the silence of the night. A dog started barking and it sounded way too big and way too close. There was a house in the distance and we started freaking out with all kinds of imagined threats. I remember being truly scared. Suddenly, an engine sounded in the distance. I looked in the rearview mirror and five or six snowmobiles pulled up behind us. I got out of the car and one of the riders walked up to me. He did not take off his helmet or raise his visor. He asked if we needed help. I said yes. He and a few others pushed the car as I worked the gas and they were able to get it back on the road. I thanked them. They hopped back on the snowmobiles and continued on their way. I spun the car in a tight circle and we made our way down the hill. As we turned to go home, I stopped the car under a streetlight. The snow was fresh and untouched. I got out and walked around for a moment. I had just watched a crew of snowmobiles shoot down that road, listened to their engines fade away in the night. There were no tracks and no sign of anything besides us out there. What? It is one event that I still remember to this day. It's not as dark or as freaky as things can be, but it was a cool experience and one I'll tell my kids about when they get old enough to understand. My last story is titled Supernatural Occurrence in the Snow. What was it? So I randomly remember this experience when I was about 15. I was staying in my friend's house in Newfoundland, Canada for a week of skiing. The house was three stories and I was on the bottom floor. The basic layout was my room was at the back of the house in the corner with double glass doors, which opened onto a deck. So fast forward to the last night. We go to bed around midnight as we have a flight early in the morning. I'm drifting off to sleep when I hear footsteps coming from the side of the house. At first I ignore it. It's just some animal and the doors are locked, so I'm not bothered. But after a while- Well, 
steps I'd be terrified if there was an animal anywhere near my house. Wait, what'd you say? I said, I'd be terrified if there was an animal anywhere near my house, even if the doors are locked. (laughs) But this person clearly lives somewhere where this is just common. And also it's Canada, so. True. So after a while of the footsteps getting louder, I started to hear a really loud metallic scratching on the wall behind my head on the other side. Loud and continuous for about 45 minutes. It sounded like someone was shoveling or something and scratching the wall with the shovel. Hmm. It continued for a while. Yeah, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. The footsteps start again. And I hear them come around the back of the house towards the deck, which my room overlooks. Now I'm a bit worried. The security light has come on and has stayed on throughout. The footsteps come onto the patio, up a couple of steps, and I can now hear them walking around just outside the door. The whole process has lasted about an hour and a half at this point, and I'm now preparing to meet my maker. (laughs) And all of a sudden, (laughs) it just stops. I leave it for a while, then eventually drift off to sleep. In the morning, I wake up, and here's the mad part. There are no footprints of anything in the snow anywhere. Not on the deck, not on the side of the house, no indications of scratching on the wall, nothing. Footprints could have been covered up by the snow, but one, I deliberately checked the next morning and there was no snowfall overnight. And two, the snow was about knee deep. So even if there had been snow, at least some indentation would have still been seen as the footsteps would have made big holes and wouldn't have been filled overnight. So to this day, I'm not sure what happened. Demons? Ghost? Moose? I'm not sure. What do you think? I remember when you texted me, you're like, do you want to tell snow stories? I was like, yeah, that's so fun. Spooky things happening on snow days. And now we're reading the content that you were talking about and I'm kind of scared. (laughs) And now I'm like afraid to leave the house or ever sleep on a couch ever again. What a good excuse not to leave your house. Oh, I'm just scared of what's happening in the snow. You're not seeing Call out to her. Hi, boss. It's Lily. Um, Yeah, I recorded a podcast last night and I'm super scared, so I can't come in today. Okay. My last story is titled, My Grandma's Little Story from the 40s. Hi. I've just (laughs) recently started to read r slash paranormal and decided to share one of my, or rather my grandma's stories. When I was a kid, my grandma used to often freak me out saying stuff like, your grandpa sometimes comes at night to talk with me, which I don't know why I made her talk like that, but it was a character choice, Um, which always made me burst into tears since he was long dead. (laughs) But one story was actually more beautiful than spooky. And this is the one I would like to share with you. My grandma's brother was unlucky enough to get locked in Stutthof, Nazi Germany, in the concentration camp. I hope I don't have to explain how terrible of a place it was for its prisoners. Basically, when he finally got out of there, I'm not sure how he managed to do it, but he did. He was too sick, starved, and beaten up to hold on to his life. On his dying bed, he said one thing to my grandma, quote, the only thing I'd like to do before I go is eat those berries from our forest for the one last time. I have goosebumps. So here I have to explain. My grandma and her siblings, as kids, used to go to the forest near their home as often as they could to collect berries. And that was one of their happiest memories, especially strong and sweet during difficult World War II times. But back to my story. It was the middle of the winter when my grandma's brother said those words. So, as you can imagine, the forest was just simply dead at the moment. 
covered in snow, and there were definitely no berries or any other fruit to be found. But my grandma went to the forest anyway, and there it was. Surrounded by the snow and leafless trees, a single berry bush. Fresh, young, exactly as it would look during the summer. As shocked as my grandma was, she collected the berries and went back home to give them to her brother, who passed away the same day. She decided to go back to the forest to see the amazing berry bush again, but it was gone. There was just the usual snow and dead winter silence. I hope you find the story as beautiful as I do, even if you don't quite believe it. Goosebumps again. Lily, that is such a nice way to end this episode, and that wasn't even on purpose. All right, guys. Well, on that note, that concludes this episode of Just Ghouling Things. Thank you so much for listening, Boo Thang. <laughs> follow, follow us on Instagram at Just Ghouling Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter, JGT Podcast. Facebook like page, Just Ghouling Things Podcast. Facebook private group, where all the good shit goes down. Just Ghouling Things Podcast group. Donate to our Patreon. Just Cooly Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that you'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at JustGoolyThingsPodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, Boo Thanks, and we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye.